I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hello there, and welcome to Voice First Health. It's Dr. Terry Fisher here with your podcast for this week. This week, I am speaking with Israel Krush, all the way from Israel, and we speak about what his company, Hiro, is doing in the voice technology and conversational AI space. They have some really impressive technology that looks at taking data from various places and then serving that up, and it's very easy to then incorporate this conversational AI technology that they have into your website, your business, your healthcare organization, whatever that happens to be. And today, I specifically wanted to have him on as well because they are doing some very, very interesting work to help with the COVID-19 pandemic, and they're actually offering up some of their technology uh to be launched on your website if you choose to do so uh, for free. So very, very exciting. So I think I will leave it up to Israel to explain a little bit more about their company, what they do. And so uh, let's bring him on to the podcast. Hello there, Israel. Thank you so much for uh, joining me and the listeners on the podcast today. Hey, Terry. Glad to be here. I am really excited to speak with you today. Um, I know you guys are doing some really interesting stuff in voice technology and specifically this time with the COVID. But um, before we get into that, maybe I can ask you to just introduce yourself a little bit about your personal background um, and then a little bit about the company and what you guys do. Absolutely. So I'm Israel. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Hyro. Um, I am from Israel. Um, uh, my career started at the Elite Intelligence Unit 8200 at the Israeli Defense Forces, where I was in charge of ex- extracting and filtering massive amounts of data for operational needs. And I studied computer science and statistics. Uh, so coming from a machine learning background, uh, started working as a software engineer first at Intel, and then at various startup companies from cybersecurity to ad tech, uh, moved to product management, uh, was product manager and head of product of a couple of companies, and then moved to the States uh, to pursue my MBA. I uh, did my MBA at Cornell University, specifically at Cornell Tech, the new Cornell campus on Roosevelt Island. And that's actually where I met one of my co-founders, Rom Cohen, um, who studied at Cornell his master's in computer science. We actually met in a machine learning class. Wow. And uh, yeah, and the two Israelis in this uh, New York City Tech campus, um, we knew that we wanted to spin out and we actually got exposed to the proliferation of Alexa and Google Home devices. And we were very excited about that. Uh, we don't have this in Israel yet. Um, so at first we were very excited and then we got a bit disappointed by some of the use cases that it wasn't able to actually tackle. Uh, so we started exploring first the voice assistant market, then the entire natural language understanding market, including chatbot. Right. Um, and when we understood that there is a lot to do there, I called a friend of mine from the army, from 8200, Uri, who is our CTO and the third co-founder. And Uri also a master's in computer science, but he actually studied linguistics in parallel and researched the English language. So he has uh, this unique expertise in um, the industry. It's called the computational linguistics. Um, And he worked for Google for five years. Uh, First at uh, Google search, doing some NLP, NLU stuff. 
Um, and then at Google Duplex, which um, I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. It's a group at, at Google that created this voice assistant that scheduled appointments for you with restaurants and hair salons and had an amazing demo about a year and a half ago. That's right. I remember that. I remember that very, that was, that was big news at the time. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow. That's amazing. So you guys really have a, a lot of expertise coming from different backgrounds, but all very relevant to what you're doing. Very interesting. So how, how long ago was this that you all met? Like how, how, how old is this company? Yeah. So uh, me and Rom met at Cornell Tech and I know only for the past 15 years, but the company formed immediately after graduation. Um, so we incorporated in June, 2018. So um, less than two years ago, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'll talk about what we do, but basically on, on the concept that we had and the team who got accepted to um, Entrepreneurs Roundtable Accelerator, um, a local leading accelerator in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went from there by developing the MVP, getting our first paid pilot. And once we understood that we have something and we can actually uh, convert it to an annual contract, we raised our seed round um, of $4 million uh, last July. Um, And today we're a team of 17 people uh, in New York City, California, and Tel Aviv. Wow. Wow. Well, that's great. Congratulations on that so far. That's amazing. Um, So so, so tell us more about the company first. So what what is it and what do you guys do? Absolutely. So Hyro in one sentence is a plug-and-play conversational AI platform uh, for healthcare providers and so uh, let, let me break it down a bit. So conversational AI, as I mentioned, we're highly focused on voice, but also text. So as long as it's natural language, uh, we don't care about the medium, uh, but actually understanding the natural language. And um, healthcare providers, we wanted to start with um, enterprises, organizations that have massive amounts of data and uh, that this data is hard to navigate in. Um, and maybe patients or in, in general users find it hard to find whatever they're looking for or complete the tasks and the, the transaction that they want to complete. Mm-hmm. And finally, and that's the most important um, aspect of our solution is the plug and play. So while we researched uh, the voice assistant markets and the chatbots market, we, we learned that uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the existing solutions are based on a creation platform. So um, us as a company gives an organization a creation platform where they can uh, define their intents and build their workflows or conversational flows. Of if user says X, reply with Y, put a lot of data into it, train machine learning models and reply with maybe the closest branch to what the user said. And we found it to be um, the part where there is a lot of friction, uh, both in the deployment and the maintenance mm-hmm. for the organization. Um, so we said we'll try to look for a completely plug-and-play approach. So what we do is we actually tap into the existing data sources of the organization hmm. and we scrape them. Hmm. And we basically translate in the, the data to a different data structure, which is a knowledge graph, which is composed out of the main entities and their attributes and these connections between these entities and attributes. And this is our own representation of the data, uh, which we can query via natural language. So for the organizations, we really give them an embeddable piece of code that they just copy and paste to their website, call center, Alexa or Google Home, and they have their voice assistant or chatbot ready. Wow. Based on their content, yes. So, so I'm not a computer scientist. Um, yep. That seems like 
Well, maybe you can just explain that a little bit. So how are you able to go and when you're working with different organizations, which, which presumably have different ways of organizing their data right. and take one piece of code and yet make it applicable to all these different organizations? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll explain. Uh, one of the main use cases that we found valuable for healthcare providers is helping their patients find a physician find a physician based on various attributes of this physician. Mm -hmm. So when I talked about uh, constructing this knowledge graph of entities and attributes, in this case, the entity is a physician and the attribute might be its speciality, the location that they accept in, the insurance plans that they accept and so on. Um, so what we do is we actually go on the healthcare provider's website mm -hmm. and it has all of their uh, physician's web pages mm -hmm. uh, publicly available. So we scrape them and we don't care whether it's hundreds of physicians or tens of thousands of physicians. Mm -hmm. We scrape them, we build this knowledge graph and um, on every attribute that there was in the data, we can basically retrieve the relevant answer. And I'll give you an interesting example. Sure. So when we first deployed, uh, we thought about, you know, people can ask things like, I'm looking for a cardiologist to speak Spanish and accept Aetna insurance in the Upper East Side, right? Uh, so like right. location, language, speciality, insurance plan, and so on. So uh, we tested it a bit, and, uh, and we actually gave it to the first female user to test. And she asked for a female OBGYN. And that's just a use case that we didn't think of. We didn't think of why a person would filter by gender. Maybe you think, right. okay, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, but we didn't think about it. Yep. And the assistant was able to reply with the relevant results just because the data was there. There was a gender, female or male, for each physician. And I think that's the power of actually wow. being based on the data versus try to imagine and predefine the intents. That's very interesting, huh? So it, was, it essentially was intelligent enough to just use the data that was there, but, but bring that back. So, yeah. wow, very, very interesting. And so that's a great use case. Can you, do you have any other sort of samples or, or examples of other ways that it's being used? Absolutely. So um, the, the, the next uh, immediate step, at least uh, for organizations that start, start with finding uh, physicians, is either finding other services and other information about these services, Mm -hmm. So from opening hours to billing to actually how do I uh, log into my portal? I forgot my password. How do I reset it? So mm -hmm. troubleshooting some issues around the patient's portal. Um, but but um, to show, I think, an, an ROI and to complete the patient journey, uh, we actually love to go from physician finding to scheduling an appointment. Mm -hmm. uh, and for that, we actually tap into existing APIs of these healthcare providers that are built on top of EMR systems such as EPIC. Um, and um, in, in that regard, if you think about it from a natural language perspective, that's a completely different, um, I think, set of conversations. So instead of talking in healthcare ontology um, about specialities, for example, and insurance plans, we're talking about time entities. You know, I mm -hmm. want to schedule an appointment for next week. Uh, for May yeah. 15th, right? For uh, seven o'clock, afternoon, whatever. So um, we're able to expand uh, to different use cases to really complete the entire patient journey based on, on the provider's uh, needs and priorities. Wow. And most people then, if they're interacting with this, are they interacting through a, on a web page? Are they interacting on a mobile app? Or, or, or is it actually spoken? How, how are they interacting? 
So, so we support all options that you mentioned. What we're actually seeing, obviously, um, the more voice traffic comes from the mobile device. So mm-hmm. people are more used to talking with their mobiles. Uh, from desktop, it's like 99.9% via chat. But they do have the option mm-hmm. uh, to press the mic button and just uh, mm-hmm. start speaking. Um, that, that, that being said, I think that um, it, it really um, varies between use case to use case and actually even between states and uh, different patients based on their location. We also see different engagement rates in that sense. Uh, but the trend that we like, that we see and we, we like, is um, the fact that the traffic itself um, comes mostly from mobile today. Yep. Uh, which I don't know if it's surprising when it comes to healthcare providers' websites, but uh, on average, I would say 70% of the traffic wow. uh, coming from the mobile. Hmm. And when they're using the mobile, can you distinguish, are they then speaking to it or are they actually like tapping and swiping and, and, and texting? Yeah, of course. So um, again, as I mentioned, today, most users are still typing. Yeah. Uh, because that's what they used to do. Yep. But we do see some pioneers, I think, <laughs> that uh, are using voice. Um, obviously, once you understand that the speech to text is good enough and the natural language understanding is great, um, then you constantly use it. So for me, I think the aha moment was uh, when I first uh, um, saw the mic button on, on Waze. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. from there on, I never type. I just press it, say the address, and that's it. Right. That's a good point because I, I, I experienced the same thing when I was using like that app. So it's, I agree with you. It's once you start using it the first time and you realize it works, it's just getting that confidence in the technology, I think. Um, exactly. So, so this is great. So, so you've, you've, um, this is very comprehensive, and I can just imagine where we're going to go with this now with the whole COVID um, you know, initiative that you're doing now, knowing that you can scrape all this data. But I'd love to give you the opportunity. So tell us what you've done now in terms of helping to battle with the COVID-19 situation. Absolutely. So first off, we're not the ones who are battling it. These are the healthcare providers. <laughs> we're just supporting the real troops. Um, and, and second, uh, so when this uh, COVID situation just started, um, I think uh, we, we gathered in a conference room, um, in multiple conference rooms, like in Tel Aviv, San Francisco, and mm-hmm. New York. Um, and, and we knew we, we need to address the situation uh, because we understood that patients will have questions yeah. about this new situation. Right. And when we that um, healthcare providers will see a surge in, in, in calls uh, to their call center mm-hmm. and inquiries to their website. Um, so, so what we did is, again, based on our technology, um, we decided to scrape the certified resources um, that have the, the answers for uh, questions around COVID. Specifically, we scraped the WHO uh, the World Health Organizations and the CDC mm-hmm. website. And then um, we've constructed this knowledge graph about the COVID-19 situation. And we've released a free chatbot that um, is addressing COVID-19, which can do basically two things, two main things. 
One is answer frequently asked questions, such as what is the coronavirus, what are the symptoms, how can I protect myself, etc. All the questions and the answers, again, are getting from the verified resources from the CDC and WHO. And the second thing that it can do is actually give you a risk assessment based on a short dialogue with the user. So how old are you? Where are you from? Have you been in contact with other COVID patients, um, etc.? Also, the risk assessment is uh, based and scraped from these uh, certified resources. And the beauty here, um, if I um, can uh, talk about it for a second, is that what was true for four or five weeks ago isn't true today. So if you've used one of these creation platforms and created these flows and decided uh, to have a specific uh, self-risk assessment or an answer about the symptoms, today we have more information and they are completely changed. So unless you update it daily by yourself, which again, that's the, the friction part in the maintenance, uh, we are constantly getting the most relevant information, scrape it, and it's being embedded to the assistant automatically. That is a really, really good point, that last one that you made in particular, because I know firsthand, I tried to create a coronavirus um, Alexa skill, and yep. I, was, I was using one of these um, technologies that makes it easy, because I'm not a computer scientist, to, to design mm -hmm. it, and that was the challenge, is I had to somehow call an API, because I don't know, like I said, I'm not a scientist, computer scientist, um, I was using just an API to do a simple like Google Sheet, and then I was going in there and I was updating things on a regular basis, at least trying to. And and for the time it was up there, I was keeping it up to date, but I could see how over time that could become a very tedious process. So exactly, yep, very very interesting. So so it's interesting that you're able to scrape so many different variables essentially, and like people can ask if they're coming from somewhere or or. Uh, what symptoms they have or, or that sort of thing. What, what's the feedback on this so far? Like, are, do you have any feedback, people using this and what they're finding? And what's the sense? Absolutely. So I, I, I want to add to that that it's not like a one-fit-all solution. Um, so healthcare providers, they have their own needs and their own data sources and the way they do business or, or want to handle their patients. Uh, so some of them actually provided additional uh, resources about the COVID-19. They have their own FAQ web pages and whatnot. And we can, again, scrape them as well and use them as the knowledge for the assistant. Um, so that's something that we saw a lot. We saw a lot of healthcare providers that are creating their own resources, but still getting this um, increase in, uh, in call center volume or inquiries to the website. Um, so they understand that not everyone can actually find this information easily. So a conversational solution, whether it's a, a chatbot or a voice assistant, made a lot of sense for them. Um, we also, um, you know, healthcare is notoriously known for long sales cycle and procurement processes. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw that even in this short time from um, when the COVID-19 started, that um, they 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 uh, lost some guards, so um, the, the procurement processes are getting shorter. Uh, we were actually going, we, we went live on over a dozen of healthcare provider websites in less than four weeks, without any contract, without a procurement, without security or privacy review. 
And I think that just signifies uh, or signals the new mindset that these providers have uh, with the situation. Um, and finally, we just discovered a group of amazing people that can move fast when they have the mandate to do so. And uh, they're capitalizing on this mandate. Uh, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's such a... Such a, I mean, it's such an unusual time. I don't know how else to describe it because, you know, on the one hand, we've got this horrible pandemic, but you know, if there's a sort of a silver lining in it, it's interesting. It's really helping to accelerate the technology and the innovation and the acceptance in the healthcare community, which is which is actually very exciting. I think. Um, I, I can't agree more. I think that uh, you know people are now talking not on back to normal, but back to or not back to, and uh, move to new normal. And this new normal in healthcare is very different than the old normal. Uh, one thing that um, I think everyone can see at the moment is the rise of telemedicine. Yeah. And just in terms of numbers and patients' willingness to try this. And so you ask what we see. We see exactly that in, in, in the conversational aspect. Uh, for the first time, we're seeing people asking about um, how can I schedule a virtual appointment? Uh, and that's not only yeah. in, the, in the COVID uh, bot, but also in other deployments that we have regarding the find a physician and, and the other use cases that we have. So you see that um, I, I completely agree with, with what you said regarding the adoption of new technology and um, I think embracing uh, the digital uh, transformation or, or adding more um, flows uh, to the digital patient journey. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, I, I just hope that we continue on once this whole COVID thing kind of is resolved, that we don't go back to our old ways. I think we will continue no way. to... No to... way, no way. <laughs> I'm telling you, and I think that, um, again, from the feedback that we're getting from these yeah. CIOs, mostly chief information officers at the hospital and the healthcare networks, that's it. We're done with the whole healthcare. It's not like uh, we're moving from zero to one. But definitely the mindset has changed. Yeah. And I hope that also their budget will increase, you know, and their ability to operate freely and adapt new solutions all over, not only voice or conversational solutions, but new solutions that are more suited to the digital area that we're living in. That's right. That's right. No, Alan, and I agree with you. We're on the same page. So that's really, it's really exciting in that, in that, in that regard. Um, Fantastic. Well, I love, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you or where would you suggest that they go look you up? Yeah, so um, first uh, go to our website, hyro.ai. It's H-Y-R-O dot A-I. And mm -hmm. um, if you want to check out our COVID bot, then you have, um, that's I think the immediate call to action these days. So just press it, um, give us your email and we'll reply back and we can be up on your website in less than 24 hours. Wow. Depends on how fast you move. And, uh, uh, and finally, you can also visit our LinkedIn uh, page and uh, we post some uh, interesting articles also about what uh, we saw in this uh, COVID pandemic around what patients are asking, uh, what type of data we can see in an aggregated view from various healthcare providers, um, as well as just uh, general uh, pieces about the conversational AI and voice space in general. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you very, very much for spending some of your time. I really appreciate that all the way from Israel um, sure. to, uh, to share what you're doing. It's really exciting. And uh, it's one little piece of the puzzle, right, in terms of helping people to get some of their, 
some of their information that they need. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that podcast with Israel Krush. Um, really cool. Uh, you know, he's another, he represents another one of those companies that's uh, making this contribution to the fight uh, against COVID. And I find it fascinating the way so much of the uh, medical world and the technology world is coming together uh, really as a community to to battle this together. And I think that is, again, one of the silver linings in this. And the other one is what we talked about, of course, is that this is helping to accelerate the adoption of the technology for healthcare, which I think is, is wonderful, quite frankly. Um, the information that Israel was talking about can be found on the show notes page at voicefirsthealth.com slash 64. And so I encourage you to check that out. And also, I just want to let you know, if you're not aware, I have a new event that is taking place on May 20th, and it's called The Voice Den. And you can access thevoiceden.com for tickets. And this is an opportunity to speak with uh, some of the most influential personalities in the voice tech space. You will have the opportunity to come on live and perhaps interact with these people, almost like Shark Tank, uh, very different than your traditional webinar. This one's all about fun and interactivity. So I encourage you to check that out. And if you do join us, make sure that when you sit down, you've got a drink, you've got some snacks, you're ready for the, the whole experience of being in The Voice Den, okay? So check it out, thevoiceden.com. Till then, I look forward to speaking with you very soon. Be well, take care, and uh, I'll talk to you again.